Welcome to Her Talks, a conversation on why women's health matters now, presented by Her Healthy Q. Her Healthy Q is a global nonprofit focused on deploying medical equipment to improve women's lives in underserved regions worldwide. Her Talks is our quarterly panel with innovators, researchers, healthcare professionals, philanthropy experts, and more, where we discuss how we can use our strengths to achieve women's health equity. In this episode of Her Talks, Her Healthy Q is joined by Steph Dreyer, the Vice Chair of the Lamb Foundation, Victoria Glazer, the CSR Lead at GE Healthcare, and Marissa Thayer, the CEO of Her Healthy Q. In this discussion, the women discuss corporate social responsibility, or CSR, the importance of doing the right thing, and their experiences within their respective organizations. Steph Dreyer serves as Vice Chair of the Board of the Lamb Foundation, an advocacy organization for those with a lung disease that predominantly affects women. She's also the Customer Marketing Director at MetLife, a financial services company providing insurance, employee benefits, and asset management to their customers. Victoria Glazer joined GE Healthcare to build and lead the Corporate Social Responsibility Team and Corporate Foundation. Previously, she served on the CEO's ESG Task Force at Bristol-Myers Squibb. Marissa Thayer is the founder and CEO of Her Healthy Q. She's a 22-year veteran of the medtech industry, was included among the top 100 women in medtech by Medical Design and Outsourcing in 2018. She was a People Maven's top woman activist to watch and a recipient of the Africa Development Award in the same year. All of their social media accounts and anything you hear in this panel, including a transcript, will be available in the show notes at herhealtheq.org her-talks. I am so excited to share with you Volume 10 of Her Talks, ESG, Impact, and the Next 1,000 Days. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Her Talks. I'm excited to have you here today. Um, let's just get started. Uh, so Her Talks, uh, this is a discussion about women, about health, about related topics that are critical for our forward movement. Um, ESG and impact is always a hot topic, and lately, not all of it's great news, but it's become this buzzword. Um, and also, unfortunately, a checkbox, even though it has the huge intention of being impactful and making a difference in the world across so many sectors, including healthcare. For us at Her Health EQ and so many people around the world, the current and future state of impact is absolutely on our minds. Um, improving healthcare for women is absolutely an imperative. And it's not only in this country, but it's absolutely around the world. Because when women don't have their health, they're not able to contribute to their community, their family, and society. And that negatively impacts everyone, everyone here, everyone around the world, in every other industry and every sector of the world. And so even if you're not in healthcare or ESG or CSR, you know, impact affects all manners of life. Um, I've just thrown out some buzzwords and, and, and uh, acronyms, and I just kind of wanted to set a few definitions for everybody on the phone. Um, ESG, environmental, social, and corporate governance, and CSR is corporate social responsibility. And so whether you're a massive healthcare company, a specialized nonprofit, an insurance company, or a global women's health nonprofit, impact is incredibly vital for your business. So I'm Marissa Fayer the CEO of Her Healthy Q, and I'm honored to moderate this episode of Her Talks, which um, this today we're going to be talking about ESG impact and what that looks like in the next 1,000 days, which is more or less in three years. And Her Healthy Q's mission is to improve women's health by providing healthcare equipment to developing countries with a focus on women's health, non-communicable diseases because those diseases can be detected, prevented, and treated with equipment if they only had it. 
So impact is absolutely core to what we do at Her Healthy Q. And as we both benefit from it and we distribute equipment to create impact. So I'm absolutely humbled and honored to be joined by these incredible panelists. And I'm gonna let them briefly introduce themselves and then we're gonna jump into the discussion. But we have Vicki Glazer, who is the Corporate Social Responsibility Lead at GE Healthcare, and Steph Dreyer, who's the Vice Chair at the Lamb Foundation um, and also Consumer Marketing Director at MetLife. And so at any time, if you're not speaking, just please mute yourself. And um, anytime the audience has a question, please add it um, to the comment section. We hope to get to it towards the end. Um, but if I see something relevant, I'll just shoot it into uh, our questions. And um, we have some questions, but we also want this to be you know, participatory. So feel free to, uh, to put that out there for you. So um, I guess Vicki, you're front of my screen. Um, would love you to start. Great. Thanks, Marissa. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am one month into a new role at GE Healthcare, new to me and new for GE Healthcare. Um, it's leading corporate social responsibility and corporate philanthropy. And GE Healthcare is actually sort of a new company. It broke away from, it spun off from GE Corporate in January of this year. So we're a $15 billion startup with 50 years of legacy of leading uh, at medical technology around the world. So it's a fantastic opportunity. Um, I'm so excited to sort of launch into it and build corporate social responsibility and a corporate foundation for the company, which um, is, is leading, you know, it's sort of on the cutting edge of technology, um, artificial intelligence and um, developing breakthroughs in healthcare designed to really make healthcare more human and more flexible. The company just this morning released uh, a breakthrough quantitative and qualitative study called Reimagining Better Health, which shows that providers, um, physicians and clinicians, as well as patients and caregivers are 100% united in their vision for the future of healthcare, that it be more human and that clinicians be able to be freed from some of the tasks that artificial intelligence will free them from so that they can be their best selves and interact on a human level with patients. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Vicki. Um, Steph? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's been such a thrill getting to know you and Vicki and, and more about the important missions that you're on. Uh, my background is that I have been in marketing for 20 plus years at this point. Um, I'm not going to get too much more specific about years because it makes me feel bad. Uh, but right now I serve as the marketing director for national accounts at MetLife, where every day I am part of a mission to help people build a more confident future. Um, but prior to Met, uh, my work has been very connected to impact, uh, most recently at Mondelez, so the makers of Oreos and Sour Patch Kids and Ritz and Triscuit and many more, where my job was to bring their purpose of snacking made right to life. Um, and that was in very real ways that consumers could see and taste and feel. It led to work on ingredient transparency and recyclable packaging, uh, promoting mindful eating, and even working with farmers in, in Cote d'Ivoire to promote a better life for them and their families. 
And then prior to that, to connect into our, our healthcare interest, I spent 13 years at Bear Healthcare, where every day I came to life to empower people to live healthier, happier lives. Uh, but outside of my day jobs, I have two distinct joys when it comes to impact. Um, it is a privilege and an honor to serve as the vice chair on the board of directors for the Lamb Foundation, which is a small but mighty force um, that urgently seeks a cure for a disease called lymphangioleomyomatosis, which we call LAM, L-A-M. Um, and that's important because it gives me a chance every single day to raise money and fight this disease and enable women to live better lives so that they can go have impact. Um, it's also important because I am a lamb patient myself, which means that about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with this rare thing I'd never heard of and told I might only have five years left to live. And so that really forced me to think about the impact I wanted to have while I was here and the legacy I wanted to leave behind. And I realized very early that as you know, someone in marketing in a position of power surrounded by resources, I could leverage those resources to create some good in the world. So that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so in our pre-chat, there were some similar themes that came up between all three of us and, you know, and what we're working on and what we're passionate about, which I think you can, you know, uh, the listeners can very much hear. Impact is how it's integral to our life and our work. For all of us, uh, what came up as the really big theme, how to make it sustainable for the future um, by working collaboratively together. And those are some of the themes that, you know, today I think we'll talk through. Um, Vicki, let me start with you. You've been in CSR, you know, almost most of your career and even before it was popular um, or, you know, or in style and in vogue. Um, so what's changed and actually what's new? Because, I, you know, I never like to look back like to look forward, but you know, what's really changed, I think maybe for the better and what's new um, that you're excited about? Yeah, well, yeah, you are hundred percent right. It, it is in vogue. Um, well, I think it maybe went in vogue and then maybe it went, turned a corner. <laughs> Uh, but it, one of my decks shows this graph. It's a hockey stick shaped graph, which I, I think is interesting that, you know, over the, the many decades that corporate social responsibility, corporate purpose conversations have been going on, there was a sort of steady rise. And more and more, you know, companies started to talk about their purpose. There was, you know, Larry Fink's letter, which talked about corporations have serving a, a larger purpose than just returns to shareholders. Um, and so we went along in a very sort of happy environment until very recently, when all of a sudden, you know, the the instances of CSR being discussed in the popular and corporate culture just sort of took off. Um, and with that, you know, came the rise of the discussion of woke capitalism and, and some other things that many of us who had been doing this work for a long time went, what? This is not the intent. You know, this is not a political debate. This is about doing good and helping underserved people um, and so we were all sort of scratching our heads as to what it can be controversial about that. So, I mean, I think that's what's changed most recently. Um, I, it was interesting. Last Thursday, there was a segment on CBS Morning News. I don't know if you saw that about um, 
this very topic. And the, they showed on the screen um, the, an article from the New York Times from 1963. And it was, uh, it quoted the, the CEO of, um, what was the company? At any rate, it said, um, do corporations have a social duty? It was the CEO of US Steel who said, that is quite beyond what a corporation should do. Um, and then next part of the, the story was the focus on Target and Budweiser and, and the body shop, which dedicates its entire business, you know, to giving back to the communities. So uh, I think, you know, that certainly has changed and, and um, is, is indicative of the time that we are operating in now as we continue to do our social responsibility work against the backdrop of a crazy world. Yeah, I mean, it's scary that we're quoting things from the 60s, um, but thrilled that it's changed and that it is in vogue. I mean, listen, it's it's popular for and, and it's necessary. I think like, you know, a lot of the people who work with and for us and, and, and you know, have been employees and employers like this is part of and should be part of the culture. And I know so many organizations that are, you know, and not even organizations, companies that are creating, you know, they're creating, you know, B Corps, they're creating social missions as part of what they do. And they're just as successful as any of the others. And sometimes more so because they're having more employee retention, there's less turnover, there's um, more people are engaged and they want to work there and they want to be there and they want to give it their all and they want to, you know, go above and beyond, which ultimately shows in returns. And so I don't think we're in this state anymore of it's optional. And I hope that that's what everybody feels. And I'm sure that there's always going to be outliers and, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, you even see, you know, banks and, you know, any type of company that you wouldn't think, and I bet U.S. Steel now has, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, I don't even know if they're in existence, but if they were, um, they would certainly have an impact side of things. And it would probably be giving back to the communities in which they're working in and maybe creating housing and other infrastructure. And so it's just how life is. And so, you know, now we need to talk about how to make it better and how to, um, to, to put it into practice. And so Steph, I wanted to ask you that, how can we put impact into practice, um, maybe on a, on a weekly, daily, you know, just, just in our businesses and in our lives. How do we do that? Yeah, well, obviously I'm a little bit biased. I think job number one is go sign up to be on the board of directors of a, an organization that's doing good in the world. Sure. Um, I, I don't think I had initially thought that was a place that I would find myself, but I am so glad that I accepted the invitation because as I said, every day now, Um, I get to be part of an organization that is fueling women with a rare disease and their families with resources to help them navigate this journey and raising money to go do the work we need to do and and achieve the mission that we've set out to achieve, to provide women with clinical resources and actual medical care that, that serve their actual medical disease. You know, this is a disease, LAM is a disease that is often misdiagnosed. And so we believe that there are hundreds and thousands of women out there that don't have the right diagnosis and as such aren't getting the right care diagnosed with things like asthma, which is quite different or anxiety, or in my case, hysterical woman's disease was something that's 
a medical professional once said to me, right? So now that I have- Is this the, the 1890s? <laughs> right, exactly. Isn't that what they used um, to say? Yeah, that's, it's true, true story. Um, so now that I have the support of this organization and the right care, um, you know, we don't have a cure yet, but I do have the right support. And so when I think about, you know, impact on an everyday basis, everything I can do to support this organization and find a cure for the thousands of women that have been diagnosed and those that haven't yet is a way that I can have impact every day. But not everybody serves on a board. And so I will also say there are ways in our day job that we can promote positive change, whether that's learning about where the tensions are and where your organization can make a difference, be an ally, represent those who are underrepresented in the right way, um, hooking into programs that your organization has already created. So in my personal experience at MetLife, I've had the opportunity to participate in global litter pickups to create bags for children experiencing foster care so that they have something where they can transport their personal belongings from home to home. Um, even working with Girls Who Code, which is a fantastic organization promoting STEM for women. Um, but if your organization doesn't have those things, go seek out opportunities, go create your own. Just in my marketing team, we had great success with a drive to donate supplies to a women's shelter or my personal favorite we participated uh, in a, a program called Grow a Row, in which after one day as a team building uh, experience, we provided 244,000 servings of fresh food to those experiencing food insecurity. Um, so there are very real ways to have impact in your day job. But the, the one that I'm the most proud of and the one that I, I really try to encourage people to look for is this sort of trifecta of good um, which probably means something in the industry, but my words, um, where you can find impact that not only supports people and planet, but also the business and the team. And so a great example of that is, you know, at MetLife, there is a robust tree planting program that existed far before I had come here and learned about it. Um, but separate from that, my team supports salespeople who are often celebrating anniversaries with their clients. And we found an opportunity to connect the two programs. And when there is a meaningful anniversary with a client, it is now in our culture, in our routine to recommend to the sales team that we plant trees on that on behalf of that anniversary to celebrate that anniversary. So, you know, again, good for the client, good for us, good for people on the planet, good for the team. So that's my recommendation. That's so interesting. And then, you know, maybe I'll put this out to both of you guys. You know, Steph, you were saying like, MetLife does this. And, and, you know, Vicki, I know from GE, from, you know, legacy GE, and now what you're trying to create, you know, in GE healthcare, I mean, it needs to be part of infrastructure. So how do we embed, like, what are some of the success factors and how to ensure that impacts embedded into infrastructure for the long term? And also, I mean, another question that needs to almost tag on to that is how do we iterate? Because what worked 10 years ago, five years ago, is not necessarily always going to work in the future. I, I mean, I think planting trees is always going to work. Like, let's just be clear, that's that's always a thing. Um, but there are others that we need to, like there needs to be iteration and how do we embed impact into infrastructure for long-term success? Because I don't mean that it's always going to be 
a long-term partnership for 27 years and you know that's the only partnership that you can have there are so many different new organizations new companies new causes new things that are coming out we, we've seen it in the last you know three four years quite honestly um so i think that we need to make sure um that there's flexibility but we want long-term success. So that was a long-winded question to say, how do we do this? How do we embed impact into the infrastructure of large organizations, mid-sized organizations, and even small organizations that then can benefit either people, planet, you know, nonprofit organizations, et cetera? How, how do we do this? Like, what are your, some, some, both of you, like, what are the success factors? How do we make this happen? Either one of you. Definitely start, and then I'll chime in. Happy to. Yeah, so that's a far easier question to answer when I think about the LAM Foundation. Um, But what I will say is whether you're talking about a nonprofit where impact is the focus, that is the business objective, or a larger organization that is operating around a purpose, I will say, you know, I joked with somebody the other day, the way to do this is three things, culture, culture, and culture, right? When we make this a natural part of the culture, the good just create, it almost creates itself. You kind of sort of can't help it. So one of the things that's happened at the Lamb Foundation in the last few years, and I'm, I'm looking out and seeing Sue Sherman on the call, uh, Sue introduced this idea of a mission moment into the culture of the organization, both with the staff and at, at the board level. And so we stop ourselves on a regular basis to talk about a mission moment, an opportunity where we have helped a patient or, you know, promoted the science or whatever it is, that that thing that sort of fires people up and reminds them of why we've come to do the work we're here to do. And I, and I think that idea of culture, it just it just makes such an impact. Um, you know, I think back to the days at Mondelez. When I got there, I started interviewing sales and brand owners, and I would, I would tell them my story with Lamb. And I would talk about the impact I wanted to have and the legacy I wanted to leave behind. And then I would very casually ask them what their legacy on these brands would be. And most likely they didn't expect the question. They didn't really know how to answer it. Or if they did, it was, it was an answer about driving growth, driving growth for the business. And on my snarkier days, I might ask them, Hey, in 10 years, how many people are going to remember that you grew this brand by 2% versus how many people are going to remember that you made a thumbprint on people and, you know, people and planet and this idea of impact because you impacted the rate of recycling in this country, or you showed up for the underrepresented communities amongst the people you serve. And it created this big shift in terms of how those brand owners thought about impact and purpose and what programs they started lifting up. No, that's great. Um, I think we just lost Vicki, who I hope will come in in a second. I just saw her nodding and then pop out. I think she, <laughs> I think she hit the wrong button um, to unmute herself. Um, oh. But um, she will come back in a second. Um, you know, speaking of the Lamb Foundation, and we'll, and we'll go back to that question, but speaking of the Lamb Foundation, I mean, you turned something that happened in your life. Oh, Vicki, you're back before I ask my next question. Yeah, yes, I think unfortunately- Zoom dumped me out. <laughs> okay. Well, you're back. We're excited about it. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on you know, everything that Steph was saying and kind of to the question too. 
Yeah, um, I, I apologize. I did. I missed a little bit of it as I was scrambling to get back. But um, what I was thinking about is the foundations that I've worked with and the corporate philanthropy that I've worked with 10 years or so had with each other of creating impact. Um, and, you know, they later whatever, but they just work uh, to create impact and found the ways to success, which include working within the community. So not, you know, going and dictating they need, really listening to what is needed from the community leaders, from the elders, from the local healers, from the community leaders, um, and trying to meet them where they are in terms of finding a way to work together with them, deliver what was really needed, um, working in partnership with others, not uh, about the branding or getting the credit for the work, bringing in very inclusively other NGOs, other companies who had expertise so that they could work together to provide a holistic solution um, and looking for to whether long-term relationship over decades reduces or whether it's tackling, you know, a, a solution that has an end date, um, but finding those innovative solutions that need some backing uh, to prove themselves so that they can be sustainable, that they can go out and get their own funding, that they can develop the data that they need, you know, to, to establish momentum behind them. Those are three of the things that um, I think are the, the recipes for success and enable the movement to be sustainable and embedded in the co corporation's culture over time. No, that's incredible. Thank you, Vicki. Um, I, I think, you know, it's something that, that at Her Healthy Q, we always continue to think about. Um, and it's about working with organizations and companies and others, et cetera, that are very aligned. And so not everybody's going to align to everything and not everyone's going to want to do everything. And, you know, you know, Steph, you were saying it meant life, you know, you guys plant trees. Well, that might not be the solution at GE Healthcare. Um, and, and there has to, there's plenty, listen, there's plenty of work that needs to get done. We all have to do it together. Um, and, you know, or we all need to do it. We don't need to do it all of us together at the same thing. We can't, everyone can't choose one thing because then only one thing gets solved when there's so many other things that needs to get solved. And, and I, you know, Vicki, I like what you were saying, it, it has to be embedded and it has to be very culturally important and on the ground. And that's, you know, that's a lot of the work that we've seen as well. Like it's not, it's not us in an imperialistic, you know, way coming into, you know, work and save you and do all this. No, no, no. Giving you solutions so that we can walk away and, you know, hopefully you don't need ever need to talk to us again, um, you know, except to tell us how great things are going. And, um, you know, and that's, that's, that's empowering in itself and, you know, creating new forests so that the infrastructure and life can live and people can breathe clean air. I mean, that's important. And, you know, creating solutions and, you know, diseases, you know, for the need to be solved, like everyone working together, is that going to be the mission of every, you know, corporation and every company? No, it's not. And I think like, 
finding the right partners also is one of the most important things for everyone to collaboratively, co collaboratively work together. On one of our previous HER Talks, we were kind of talking about like, how, how can we not be in competition with each other? And I think that's kind of also really important because we can't, we can't be fighting each other. It, you know, yeah, it works for some, it doesn't work for other, but we're all trying to do something great. And there's, there's plenty of work for, you know, ESG and for impact that needs to get done. Um, just as another reminder, I'm going to, if there's any questions uh, that anybody has, please, uh, you know, feel free to sh shout them in. But I mean, what do you guys think about the future of ESG and impact? Um, you know, obviously I'd be remiss if I didn't ask the hot topic of the year, uh, which is AI. Um, so like, you know, how does AI factor into ESG and impact if at all? Um, and, and I don't want that to be the only answer to what the future is because, uh, certainly, uh, I don't think that is the only answer. Um, I will, I guess, seed my answer to, to, to say it's a part of it. It's not all of it, but what's, what's the future of ESG? What's the future of impact? Um, you know, CSR, all those acronyms that I've thrown out before, what's the future for, for all of us? Vicki, I know you have some thoughts on AI. Why don't you take it away? Yeah, um, I did a lot of research on AI when I was investigating this job um, because, gee, healthcare is very authentically involved in the space and a leader in AI has been using AI and its products for a long time. Um, and so I, I read some books and, and I looked at different points of view um, some are very, very scary, some are awful, um, but some are very optimistic. So uh, I was able to spend some time just yesterday with the chief technology officer at GE Healthcare, uh, a man named Ta Taha Haskout, and he a long way. And if you if you look at, at the things that he's saying, you know, on online and in forums and on YouTube, um, I think you will feel optimistic as well, because there are some very smart people who are responsibility minded and inclusiveness minded who are overseeing, in particular in health a like I said earlier that the company released some of this data in a report today about how technologies used to free up. There's a tremendous uh, dearth of, of healthcare workers, a tremendous shortage and, and you know, out of the pandemic, um, tremendously overworked and, and dissatisfied with their work environment. And so there's a real need, you know, to, to employ technologies to up and them get back to loved about their profession, why they went in first. And so I'm very optimistic um, that corporations as a whole, um, in line with the trends that we talked about earlier, are getting better at understanding how to social support on social impact um, and uh, are more inclusive than ever before in history. So I feel like things are going in a, in a good direction, even though we have a, a weirdly polarized political environment. To, um, I feel like there are enough people who are headed in the right direction of us collective work.
Yeah, I, you know, my my build on that, I think, like Vicky, I've sort of seen both sides of the the AI story. Um, and and while there are some really scary potentials, I th- the thing that I've chosen to focus on is I think what AI is going to do for us is going to teach us to ask better questions, right? We've seen a lot about you know prompt engineering is sort of the new skill. And, um, you know, it's it's easy to sort of roll your eyes or laugh at it because it is now already a buzzword. But if you really think about what prompt engineering is doing is it's making us be more thoughtful about asking better questions to get to more meaningful solutions. So, you know, at MetLife, you know, my team is thinking about how do we ask better questions? I think at the Lamb Foundation, there has been a lot of discussion lately about how do we ask better questions to get to better solutions and unlock you know, even more progress towards our mission of finding a cure. Um, so that, you know, that's how I choose to think about AI is I, I do think it's gonna, it's gonna teach us as human beings to, to ask really, really important questions. So besides AI, are there other future, like you know, where do we go? Where do we go with impact? Um, is it utilizing, obviously it's utilizing the tools that we have and ask better questions, but um, outside of tech, you know, is this, is this the trend to stay in, is this, is this our next, you know, 1000 days, three years? Is that what this is? Is, is it continued impact? Is it, you know, continued focus on ESG and CSR and making impact in the world? I mean, personally, I think it's here to stay. Um, that's my own personal opinion. Um, I, I'm hoping obviously for her LTQ's sake, it, uh, it is here to stay. Um, and I would say like, but what, you know, is impact here? Is is this what we're we're focused on forever, or is this a hot trend? Uh, you know, speaking of ESG and you know trends going you know in and out, um, is this a trend or is this forever? I mean, we don't have crystal balls. Let me just caveat this entire conversation, especially if you're listening to this on the podcast. We don't have crystal balls sitting in front of us, but it's more. What do you, what do you guys think the next hundred you know thousand days is going to be? I think they started asking that question in 1963, if or maybe before in the, in the 50s. So I think that it's definitely here to stay. Um, it's it's interesting to think about where it will go with AI and and other advanced technologies. We will know more and be able to do more than we've ever done before. We'll be able to make connections that don't occur to the human brain necessarily, but come out of you know big data. Um, I, I think you know back to my last answer. I think we're it's definitely here to stay, and we'll we'll just keep getting better at it. Right. Staff, any predictions? Um, you know, I think my my prediction at this point is where we can find those really meaty trifectas, right? Where it's, you know, good for people and planet, good for the business and good for the teams that are supporting the work. I think that's the trend that I see moving forward. That's where we're going to see a lot of investment and success. Um, and then what I what I hope is part of the future is better partnering between large organizations and small nonprofits that have a very clear mission and the ability to fully focus on that mission. So again, you know, finding alignment between large organizations and their goals and the work that the nonprofits are doing. That's great. That's great. We had a question come in actually too, um, but we had one question come in from Sue. So how do we? How do we measure impact? How, to, how, how will companies, 
And I think this is also great on a larger scale. How do large companies, I think, I think smaller nonprofits and organizations understand it's, you know, to, especially in healthcare, it's very, you know, people impacted, you know, uh, you know, and, and better health. So how do companies from a larger scale measure impact? Is it taking what the smaller companies are measuring or do they, are there different ways to measure? I think there's a movement from measuring outputs to measuring outcomes. Um, I think that there has been a developing sophistication. So, you know, back in the day when corporations, corporate foundations did their thing and they did it separately and weren't really integrated into the companies, um, they just were able to sort of sit back and go, gosh, we did great. Didn't, uh, doesn't everybody love what we're doing? Um, but then over time, there became more demands on, well, you know, what is the impact that you've, you've made um, and how can you describe it and quantify it? And so they began to, to measure outputs. Well, we've reached these many people. We've, you know, spent this much money. We've printed this many brochures. Um, and now there's a real movement to say, okay, we've done all this stuff, but what did it do? Was it the right thing? Did we just do a bunch of stuff or did we really improve people's lives? And if so, how? And so the foundations that I've worked with have done a, a lot of work in that arena to really <laughs> um, pester their grantees quite significantly to say, answer these 5,000 questions <laughs> on the work that you've done to try to level up and say across the board, how have we changed the world? Um, and so there's there's really kind of been a back and forth there, I think. And now we're we're striking a balance between measuring every little tiny thing and really taking a, an informed view on what has been the change over time. That's great. There's a question that came in from Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Burke, that said, how, how do we stay ahead of the political woke narrative, you know, about CSR, um, you know, at least on a PR level? Um, I mean, I think everything, I mean, I'll, I can, you know, chime in for this one as well and welcome both of you to, to hear your thoughts. I think we need to do what's right rather than, you know, what's quote unquote woke. Um, and just doing the right thing and talking about that, exactly what Vicki just said before, you know, measuring impact, talk about impact, talk about the people, talk about what you're doing. Um, that's the impact, whether we call it ESG, CSR, a new acronym that comes up tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, you know, ESG started not to be measuring this type of impact. You know, it was, all, it was trying to, is a catch-all for everything. And now there's so many different sides of it. Um, it came back because, uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to reenact or, you know, bring back uh, the checkbox and say like, are, you know, are, you know, there's more conferences to talk, you know, to talk about it. There's more things to talk about. So I don't, it, I don't think anything of it should be done for, you know, woke or PR purposes. I think it should be done solely on, um, on, on doing the right thing and doing the work, but i um, happy to have either of you chime in too. I, I couldn't have said it better. The only thing I would add is, you know, where it's right for the world and right for the business, that's a win-win, right? And and that's a that's a 
fully supportable strategy, right? So where you have those, those moments of synergies, um, whether that's in a small organization or a large organization, um, you know, that's, that's where I just see nothing but goodness. I don't know who is credited with this quote of you can't please all the people heard Abraham Lincoln, I've heard others, but um, stay the course um, and you will please the people who you need to please. And I mean, you just, you can't worry about all different naysayers. Um, I think, and, and I will say, this may sound naive, but I will say that the corporate leaders that I have worked with have felt that way. Despite what you see, you know, in social media, the corporate leaders have said, we are behind your efforts to serve the underserved, to um, solve for unmet needs. And, and we're willing so. No, that's great. Um, so Steph just wanted to ask also quickly, you, you, something happened to you in your own personal life and that you changed and made it about the future and about impact. Um, you know, uh, how do you do that? Like, <laughs> it's so, I can't imagine it's, you know, it's so hard. And, and the fact that you're willing to talk about it and, you know, be the vice chair of, of this organization. I mean, you could have just, sat and wallowed and, you know, taken the benefits of the Lamb Foundation and, you know, but you chose to change life and make an impact. How? Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, with the support of the Lamb Foundation. So I would encourage everyone to go to thelambfoundation.org and check out the incredible work that this, this organization does. Um, one of the first things that happened after my diagnosis was I, I did get in touch with the foundation and it felt incredible to have support. And I begged to speak to other women with this disease. You know, this is a progressive ultra rare disease that impacts women and has no cure. So finding any sort of support out there is, is, is really critical. And the first woman I spoke to, she told me a pretty harrowing story about how Lamb kept her from living the life she wanted to live and kept her from being the woman she wanted to be. Um, and that was terrifying. But the, but the second call, she was a successful attorney, mom of two, effortlessly funny. And she only talked about Lamb because I asked her to. And I made a decision the day I had that call that that was the type of Lammy I was going to be. And it's fascinating to me now to think 10 years ago that a simple decision has led me on this incredible journey of mentoring and coaching people and um, having big opportunities to amplify the message, right? Podcasts and being published in The Lancet, which is still, I feel like that's a dream, um, giving speeches at the NIH and taking the message of what it's like to be a rare disease patient and, and how it's as simple as making a decision to take something that others would describe as the worst thing that ever happened to them and make it the best thing that ever happened to me. So my personal purpose now is to enable others to flip bad things into good. And quite frankly, when I'm focused on that impact or driving change, I don't think about the disease. I don't worry about it. I'm so fully focused on the good that can come of it. Um, and quite frankly, that's a better life to live. For sure it is. That's incredible. Um, Vicki, you're only one month into your career at G Healthcare, which also 
is, you know, making healthcare equipment and, and you know, changing lives uh, on a daily basis too. I know you're only one month in and you don't want to share all your secrets, but like, you know, any insight on what the future of uh, the impact strategy looks like or what you're hoping to, to craft it as, you know, without divulging all your secrets, I promise. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some places naturally where we belong. Um, I am early in the journey, uh, but those things are clear. We belong in the place that brings precision healthcare to underserved communities. We belong in the place that helps build trust around AI and ensures that as technology develops, that it's done responsibly and inclusively. Uh, we belong in the space that protects the planet from the uh, climate impacts from the use of energy, and we belong in the circular economy, doing everything we can to make sure that that our equipment, it, you know, doesn't wind up in the landfill. Um, so there are some places naturally that we, I think, belong in a leadership position. So I will be working in conjunction with the very visionary leaders at GE Healthcare to create some signature programs that invest, that put our money where our mouth is, invest our, our assets, both our financial assets, but the expertise um, and innovation of the company to focus on those really important issues. That's incredible. So as we're wrapping up here, kind of last question actually came in from one of our um, one of our attendees, Andy Levy, wanted to ask. So let's say it's June sixth and twenty on you know twenty twenty six. What does it look like to you related to ESG impact for both of you? Well, I'll have a corporate foundation set up by then, or All else right. I'll have a job. <laughs> So uh, the foundation will be operating globally and um, doing some great work with some great partners that we'll have just started working with. And then um, we will set those up with impact in mind initially so we know how to track them. This is, you know, a great uh, luxury that we have being in this position that we can start with impact at the beginning um, and figure out how to deploy these programs so that we can measure them. So by 2026, I'll probably have some some early measurements and we'll we'll know what we're doing. Anyways. Yeah, from a Lamb Foundation perspective, what I know to be true is that by 2026, more women who have been misdiagnosed in the past and deserve that, that true diagnosis will have it, and they will have the care and the support and the resources they need to, to live healthier and happier lives. What I hope by 2026 is that, I mean, I mean if we're really doing hope, let's find a cure by 2026, sure. uh, but if not, you know, my hope is that we have even more young scientists investigating LAM and making progress toward that cure and helping to create a, a much better quality of life for the thousands of women that are living every day with this disease. Amazing. Amen to both of that. Um, ladies, honestly, thank you so much. I could, uh, you know, these speakers said everything that I believe um, and we want to continue this discussion, you know, probably for hours if we could, but uh, we'll be mindful of everybody's time. Please join us. Uh, actually, later this month, we're doing a, a double June uh, Her Talk.
uh, two in one month because honestly we have so much to say and we're really excited about it. Uh, another incredible lineup of speakers and we can't wait for everyone to join us. Um, until then, I know that I'm sure all three of us would love to have anybody who's on the phone or listening to this afterwards, um, either online or on the podcast, please uh, reach out to us um, to continue this discussion. Um, and, you know, with Her Healthy Q, we're happy to uh, have the support of, of both of you. Um, and let's just continue to better the world with greater impact um, from our perspective, obviously, with women's health. And uh, please reach out to, to myself, to Vicki, to Steph at any time or any members of the, the board of directors at Her Healthy Q. And thank you so much, everybody, uh, for joining us.